0: Saul is king, the first king of Israel. The people rejoice, the people chant, the people are excited. They now have a human king. Now, one of the first things he's got to deal with, though, is the snake. He has got to deal with the snake because the snake has been causing trouble to the Israeli people for years now. Saul, we want you to deal with the snake, because that's literally what his name is. And you meet him in 1 Samuel chapter 11. His name is Nahash, Nahash, king of the Ammonites. And at the root of that word is this idea of Nakash, or a snake. And that describes this king pretty well, because he sounds absolutely evil. And he has been oppressing the Israelis for a long time. See, when Moses and Joshua gave the land to the Jewish people, right, they broke it up by various tribes. You know, Dan, you get that. Gad, you get that. Reuben, you get that. Well, the Reubenites, those from the tribe of Reuben, and the Gadites, those from the tribe of Gad, they found or got land or were given land east of the Jordan River and it bordered the land of the Ammonites. And in fact, the Reubenites and the Gadites took over some of the land that used to belong to the Ammonites. Well, the snake, Nahash, the new king of the Ammonites, wanted it back. And it seems like he has been causing quite a bit of trouble for the Reubenites and the Gadites. In fact, what he is threatening to do at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 11, he's already done to the Reubenites and the Gadites. It's interesting historically what this Nahash, this snake, did when he oppressed the Reubenites and the Gadites. He made them so fearful, and he did one thing that made them run away in fear. You know what he did? He would threaten to gouge out your right eye. And in fact, here at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 11, he doesn't threaten that he's going to do it. He says, I will do it. In fact, this is the treaty that I'm going to make with you And he's gone beyond the Reubenites and the Gadites, because, again, historically it seems like 7,000 men from the Reubenites and the Gadites had run away and had managed to escape and had not had their right eye gouged out by Nahash and his men. And here they are in a place called Jabesh-Gilead. Now, Jabesh-Gilead was a town that was in that area where it was east of the Jordan and it was northern and it was sort of butting up with Ammonite territory and it would be easy for the Ammonites to invade into. Again, it's about 25 miles south of the Sea of Galilee, east of the Jordan River, and Nahash would find it pretty easy to come in with his troops, the snake, and cause trouble. Well, these Men of the Gadites and the Reubenites who had already had their friends, they saw their friends get their eyes gouged out. They ran away. Well, the snake followed. And he'd been impressing them for years now. And finally, the Jewish people had had enough. And they'd ran away to Jabesh Gilead. And it seems like, again, historically about 7,000 survivors from the tribe of Reuben and Gad are hiding there at Jabesh Gilead. And the snake shows up. He says, you know what? I'll let you live. I won't attack you. But here's the deal. I will only let you live if you let me gouge out your right eye. That's it. I'll let you live. In fact, you can do whatever you want to do. But you just got to let me gouge out your right eye. All the men that are left... We're going to gouge out their right eye. Now, why would you do that? That just sounds sick. Well, the brilliant plan and the brilliant strategy behind it is this. If I gouge out your right eye, you do not have the ability to fight. Even if you're left-handed, it's going to be awfully hard to maintain balance in the sea when people are coming at you. It is really hard to fight. Basically, by gouging out their right eye, he's removed their ability to fight But then, by only gouging out their right eye, he has maintained their ability to plow the field, raise crops. So even if the men of Jabesh Gilead, the people who ran away, the Reubenites and the Gadites that are left, even if they all lost their right eye, well, guess what? They can still make produce and plow fields and, and I can get tribute. Whenever the snake shows up, I want my money. I give it to him. He goes away. And these people are forever deformed by him? Abused? The men of Jabesh Gilead are facing something horrible. The snake will let him live. They can even keep the land, it seems. But you gotta pay tribute. And you gotta lose an eye? So... The men of Jabesh Gilead, they say, listen, 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 we'll we'll think about it. Will will you give us seven days to mull it over? We'd like to go ask some other people. And surprisingly, the snake says yes. Now, again, why would he do that? Why didn't he just go right there and say, I am going to deal with you now? I don't want you to bring more support. I don't want you to bring more men. Well, I think the snake... He sees Israel as weak. And yeah, go talk to them. And he thinks when they come back with more men, I'll defeat them and I'll get more prize and more loot. This will be great because he's the snake, the king of the Ammonites, and he doesn't lose. Well, the men of Jabesh-Gilead cry out for help. little does Nahash or Nakash or Nahash, the snake, know that Israel has a new king. Now, their old king, God, would have crushed Nahash. He doesn't even appreciate that. But here they have a king, a physical human king. And when Saul hears about their plight... When he hears what's about to happen, it says the Spirit of the Lord just rushes upon him. And it says that his anger was greatly kindled. Saul was mad. He was hot. And again, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had God Almighty's power and he was righteously angry. Well, in response, he finds an oxen. And he took this ox and he chopped it up and he cut him into probably 12 pieces. It doesn't say, but he sends him throughout all the tribes of Israel to try to wake him up. He sends a leg to Simeon. He sends the head maybe to Judah. He sends a part of the side to another tribe there that all makes up Israel. And he says, if you don't come join us. If you don't come to help us fight against the snake, what's happened to this oxen will happen to you. He's basically threatening him. He's saying, you've got to come join me. And then he mentions, you've got to come join Samuel. Saul and Samuel, come join us. And, and if you don't, what's done to this oxen is going to happen to you. Well... If you were given that threat, do you think you'd show up? Well, they do. And they show up at a town called Bezek, B-E-Z-E-K. And representatives from every tribe show up. And it's interesting, in the book it says they separate them out between northern Israel and Judah. They, 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 They talk about, you know, here is the various tribes that make up Israel and then there's Judah. I mean, they show a separation. They single out Judah over the rest of the nation of Israel, which gives you a sign that this was probably written after, because at this point, they hadn't had their civil war. At this point, the country had not been split into north and south. So whenever this book was written, it was written during the time, or at least had an edited version during the time when they were a northern and southern kingdom, But here, Israel, including Judah, they all show up at Bezic, And it seems like, historically, Saul was able to muster 330,000 troops. Whoa, that sounds like a lot. Now, it doesn't say how many the Ammonites had, but he had his whole national army. And I bet they had at least 330,000, if not more. Well, they're at a town called Bezek. Now, Bezek is 12 miles west from Jabesh-Gilead. So they can't see each other. They're not close. But that means Saul has to lead 330,000 troops to Jabesh-Gilead to take on the snake. And you know what? Saul does he splits them into three groups or three parties because he sort of wants to ambush them and they march those 12 miles and they march at night and it says they get to Jabesh gilead during the third watch which is basically at the break of dawn probably when the snake was least expecting them here comes Saul upon the city of Jabesh-Gilead just as the sun begins to rise and they come in with 330,000 troops and they absolutely slaughter the snake. They absolutely slaughter the Ammonites in battle. They totally wipe them out. And people begin to cheer, yes, yeah, see, we, we were right to call for a king. Even Samuel is so moved and so excited that he says, let's meet and let's renew the kingdom. Come to Gilgal. Which was that center of operation. Come to Gilgal and let's renew Saul as king. In this exciting moment of victory. Let's renew Saul as our first king. Come to Gilgal. And so they all showed up. And they set Saul as king. And they do it in front of Yahweh. So they get his blessing. And they sacrificed peace offerings for the Lord. And they all rejoiced. Yes, we won. Yes, this was our first battle. We ambushed them. Saul was a great leader. He he led us in a battle with courage and strength. Yeah! And then they look over at Samuel. And Samuel, I wonder what the look on his face was. Because Samuel realizes, I was the judge, I was their leader, but now it's going to be Saul. I wonder if he felt a little sad. He's no longer going to be the leader of Israel. He, he's transitioning to Saul as their king. But I also wonder if he was a little sad. Because Samuel knew something. And so he stands there and and, and he gives a final address to all of Israel who has come to celebrate Saul. And he stands there and it's Samuel's farewell address. And he rehearses the goodness of God to them and how God took care of them. And he also rehearses, you know, hey, I as Samuel, I treated you well. I didn't cheat you out of stuff. I didn't take things that didn't belong to me. And he basically wanted the people to witness that, yes, Samuel, you treated us well and you treated us right. And they even say, you are our witness, Samuel. Yes, you treated us well. Well, Samuel wants them to understand that I treated them well, that Samuel treated them right, because what he's about to tell them is some heavy news. Because he says, all right, I treated you well. Well, now listen to me, Israel. You have not treated Yahweh well. He was your king. And do you know it was a sin for you to ask for another king? Do you understand what God did for you, and he rehearses how God brought them out of Egypt, brought their ancestors under the leadership of Moses and Aaron out of Egypt, and then how the people took over the land, but then they forgot God, and pursued the Baals, and the Ashtoreths, and how all these other gods, and then God had to raise up judges, and Samuel was one of them. And how they got back the kingdom and how God was so kind to just help them beat the snake. And he has been there with them fighting their battles over and over and over again. And in the middle of all this, he says, listen, Israel, your fathers forgot this. That if you follow Yahweh. If you and your king will follow Yahweh and serve him only with all your heart, things are going to be great. Things are going to be wonderful. And you know what, Israel? You should serve him. And your king should serve Yahweh with all his heart because this God has done great things for you. He brought you out of Egypt, he just defeated Nahash with you. Yes, it was Saul, but guess who empowered Saul? God Almighty. Sometimes we forget that. We get caught up in great men or great women and great leaders and we want to follow them and we think some great thing happens because we did it and we have to remember, no, it's the Lord. Every good thing comes from above, you know? Every blessing we have is from the Lord at the root of it all. Don't forget that, Israel. As you follow Saul in the battle and Samuel's probably thinking, God's picked a good king here. He fought well, but don't forget it's Yahweh who delivered you. And remember, here's the hard word by you choosing a king, you sinned. You sinned before the Lord. You did not obey the voice of the Lord, he says, and you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. He said, because you chose to pick your king in your own way and in your own time, instead of waiting upon the Lord to pick the king for you, you're going to suffer. The hand of the Lord is against you. And in fact, to prove my point, to prove I'm not lying, it's the time of wheat harvest today, Samuel says. It's about late May, early June. It's that time when you want to harvest that early crop. Samuel says, "I am going to call upon the Lord right now to send down from heaven thunder and rain." And it's going to destroy that wheat harvest. And it says that Samuel he came before God I don't know exactly what this looked like. If he just called on the name of the Lord, if he looked up, I can imagine he looked up and he said, Yahweh, please send thunder, send rain, send this storm. And the minute Samuel said that, thunder, lightning, lightning it began to pour and I, the people of Israel must have been absolutely taken aback Samuel can talk to Yahweh like this and Yahweh sends thunder and rain at, and Samuel said I'm going to call upon the Lord to do this as a sign that you sinned and as a sign that you've got some problems ahead of you and then the sign came up. It came to be true. It came to fruition. Exactly as Samuel said. Proving Samuel's words are true. And it says that the people of Israel, you can imagine it's pouring rain. And it says, please, Samuel. So they're staring at Samuel again. He's probably covered in rain, but these people are crying because they realize the great, power of god and they probably realized the great sin they rejected god as king and did things in their own way and look what could happen he just wiped out their harvest and he looks up i can imagine the people of israel with rain hitting their face mingling with tears coming down What were we thinking And they say, please, please pray that the Lord doesn't kill us. They're that afraid. And then Samuel, I wonder by this time if the rain had stopped. Samuel calmly says to them, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. I think it's interesting. He reminds them, yes, you have done all this evil. But don't be afraid. Please, I want you to remember this. Don't turn aside from following the Lord, but serve him with all your heart. And don't turn after empty things. Chapter 12, verse 21. Don't turn aside after empty things that can't profit or deliver, like choosing your own king, like trying to do things in your own might and trying to be like everybody else around you. Those are empty, useless things, but instead, follow the Lord serve him for all, with all your heart and he encourages him he says for the lord will not forsake his people why for his great name's sake god said i've chosen you as my people i've said my name is behind you yahweh is with the people of israel i will make sure you are safe and taken care of because i don't want anybody to lessen my name I want my name to be glorified. And then Samuel says, I will not cease praying for you. And he's again, he's saying goodbye. He probably thinks he's riding off into the sunset and he promises them, I'm gonna keep praying for you. I'm an old man and I've got some more time now and I'm gonna pray and I will not cease praying for you. But just Israel, don't follow empty things. Pursue the Lord, pursue yahweh even with a king realize your strength and your joy and your ultimate deliverance and all thanks comes from the lord and at that speech is over yes everything will be great right the people of israel Following Saul just won a great battle. Samuel saying goodbye, transitioning the people to follow the king rather than the judge. And then on top of that, Samuel reminded them to follow Yahweh. He is your God. And God just thundered and rained and said, Look, this is proof that what Samuel says is true. Who would you be ready as a nation to say We will follow God. We will not pursue empty things. We will serve the Lord with all our heart, just like Samuel commanded. Well, the sad thing is the people of Israel and Saul. Well, if you come back next week, we'll find out what exactly happened to Saul and Israel and what happened to the people. Did they serve him with all their heart? You'd think they would. But I just want to encourage you, encourage me, that we need to serve the Lord with all our hearts. And we need to realize anything good, anything powerful, anything wonderful in our life comes from God. And maybe your job is shaky right now, or maybe you're facing some medical uncertainty. I want to encourage you, Find your strength in the Lord. If you know him as your Savior, he has not forgotten you. He loves you. You are His. Serve the Lord with all your heart. That's all He asks. And God will take care of the rest. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.